This is Plan B, Episode 4, for April 30th, 2013. Welcome to Plan B, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show contemplating the future and present of Bitcoin with insights for the novice, shop talk for the expert, and opinionated discussion for the interested observer of Bitcoin and related technologies. My name is Chris and joining me every week is my co-host, Drew. Hello. Hey man, welcome to episode four, a month. Well, like, I know, right? I didn't think it'd get this far. I know. But hey, shoot, here we are. Shoot, we're I, going strong. I didn't think we'd make it past episode. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I knew we're, <laughs> we were, in it, we're in it for the long haul and man, we have a really, really good show today. Uh, something that uh, Drew and I wanted to do since before the show ever even went on the air is talk to the guy behind BitVegas, the Minecraft casino. And we're going to tell you more about that in a little bit. So we're going to chat with him later on in the show. We've also had some fantastic news for Bitcoin this week. But sort of the meta story of the week is how boring the price has been. Like since we were on air last, the price has basically done nothing. Yeah, it's been basically the same, right? It kind of has. Uh, I got the seven day up on the screen right now. And, you know, there's been some definite fluctuations, but we're sitting at $137.99 in U.S. dollars as we record this. And the reason why I bring that up is because we have had some of the best news in Bitcoin I think we have seen um, in in weeks. I mean, just so much good stuff has come out this, this week. And it's still interesting that the price has not moved much, but maybe that's actually a good sign. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, Drew, what do you say we get into the feedback? Are you ready? Yeah, bring it on. All right, so Victor writes in. He says, hi, Drew and Chris. Kudos to you for a great show. Love it. Keep rocking. I'm writing to give you my two cents on the image issue, which I personally take a rather different angle on. If you remember last uh, week, we talked with David Perry. Was it last week? And uh, we we kind of uh, said that uh, it seems like Bitcoin might be suffering from a little bit of an image problem. Well, he writes in on that. He says, if Bitcoin had a coherent, stronger image, it would create a liability since its reputation would be more centralized in the same way that dominance of Mt. Gox creates a weakness being a single point of failure in the practical Bitcoin infrastructure. Look, even if you're suspicious of Max Kaiser's motives, and he says, were you seriously suggesting he just hypes up Bitcoin so then exit to USD? He doesn't. He apparently doesn't agree, and I'm not saying we were suggesting that. Um, he says, showing that a vocal advocates are double, showing that being a dub, uh, vocal advocate is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, individuals can make mistakes and say stupid things, turn evil. But on the other hand, if you're a celebrity, you're susceptible to ridicule, ad hominem insults, etc., and you fall out of the grace, then jeopardizing the overall cause. To sum up, the decentralized nature of Bitcoin is crucial, and it is more beneficial than any marketing strategy. And it does not distort the feature of the system anyway by individuals taking too large of a share of advocacy. I think it's effectively parallel to the free software open source movement or the internet itself. A good point. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not one person can ruin it. Um, you know, he mentioned Matt Kaiser, Max Kaiser. It's one of those things we kick around. We say, you know, what's Max Kaiser's deal? Because he at one point does seem to be a good advocate, but then... This last week, he released an article saying that Bitcoin should be pegged to the U.S. dollar. Oh. Did you see this? Uh, yeah, I saw something. And he said it, it should be centralized through the Bitcoin Foundation, <laughs> and they should broadcast the price to all exchanges. <laughs> no, thank you. Essentially centralizing, the, I mean, it just seems like it, it kind of fundamentally, like, first of all, no one person can really do that. Uh, you know, that's just not the way the system works. And you're then negating the benefit of the decentralized nature of Bitcoin, just so that way some big hedge fund managers can come in here and buy a thousand coins at once. And that's really yeah, what he's I, trying to get at. I don't see that happening. Not going to happen. And I don't even think it's a very good idea anyway. Uh, but I do agree overall with Victor's overall point that, uh, you know, it is it is good. Now, uh, John the Missionary, uh, you grabbed this email and, boy, is this an interesting one. He says, uh, I want to give you an idea for a theme you can have on one of your shows, how Bitcoin can make a difference for people living under oppression. I'm currently studying theology and I have plans to go to China as a missionary. Now, as an evangelical Christian, this can potentially be somewhat dangerous. This is one of the reasons why I love Bitcoins. They give me an opportunity to transfer funds from the churches back home in Sweden to the underground churches in China. 
I don't know of any missionary in the field that is using Bitcoins right now, but I think it would make an interesting topic for a different use of Bitcoin. I've started a project to fund my own mission to China through Bitcoins as well as educating church leaders both at home and abroad about the use of them. I think that there are plenty of Bitcoiners out there that share my faith and would be willing to put their Bitcoins in this kind of holy use. Feel free to contact me. Check out my site at btcmission.com. Yeah, I mean, that's a cool thing he's doing, but that's, of course, the main benefit is, you know, if you're trying to get money into China, they're going to, you know, raise some question marks. But if it's on a flash drive, nobody knows. This is a great example, too, of how we sometimes get locked into Bitcoin as this, is it a good store of value? Is it a good this or that? And the reality is there's so many multitudes of uses, potential uses for Bitcoin that we really have no idea what somebody who's in Sweden that wants to travel to China could potentially want to use Bitcoin for, just like we don't know what somebody in Russia or somebody in Cyprus might want to use Bitcoin for. I think it's just, it, it, it speaks to how there's, there's such an inherent need in today's society for a solution like this, even if you're just using it temporarily to move from one currency and go to another country and then extract in that currency, even if you're just using it as a medium of transfer, really, it's still super critical. Yeah, and it, it works really well at that, too. I mean, it's like re- relative to anything else. I mean, you really can't get that kind of flexibility of being able to move, you know, cash from Sweden and, you know, pop it out over in China. Yeah, you know, I, I hear horror stories of people trying to wire relatives money overseas oh. or, you know, we've had we've had major issues trying to pay contractors overseas for Jupiter Broadcasting. Huh. It just solves all of that. It's just, you know, and the other thing that uh, actually. Well, it's good for immigrants, too, because I used to work with uh, with, um, you know, like uh, people. Um, from uh, Central America that were trying, you know, they were working here, but sending money constantly back down there. Be a really easy way to do it, you know, just using Bitcoin. So um, Andre wrote into the show and he said, hey, Drew and Chris, I wanted to see what you guys thought of this idea. And he sent us in a link and that was all he had. He just wanted to get our take on it. The site is bct or bctip.com, bctip.com. And what it is, is it is a website where you charge up these Bitcoin tips and then you print them out and cut them out and then you give them as tips like you would, you know, cash at a restaurant or a bar. Yeah, it's like a little voucher thing. It's a voucher, right, with with the amount of Bitcoin on there, with an explanation of what it is, a QR code. Uh, you know, it looks very good. Um, and it's, it's neat. You go in there and you charge one up. And then what's also kind of interesting about it is if they don't take advantage of it after 30 days, the money you charged it with returns back to you. Yeah, that's a really cool feature because that that you'd have to be very fearful about that because you'd have to be you have to slam it in somebody's hand and you know beg them to go cash it out, you know. Otherwise they'll, you know, toss it back to you. But let's okay. So let's talk about what this is though. I mean, <clears throat> is this not the equivalent of the religious pamphlet that the that the group leaves behind instead of leaving the waitress a tip? Yeah, it's a little <laughs> it, it definitely stinks of uh, of some uh, you know, a little little overzealous earnest. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of somebody seeing that and go, oh, what the hell is this? I should look this up. And then like yeah. discovering about Bitcoin, like that seems like a really great idea. <laughs> but it I seems great to it. us, you know, but imagine, you know, handing an old guy this and he'd be like, what or, the hell you know, is like this? My, uh, uh, my family, uh, my wife's side of the family is in the restaurant business. And so the whole, it's a whole family of waiters and waitresses because they own their own restaurant. And, right. Uh, I think this would drive them completely bonkers. So here's what I would say, because I kind of like the idea. And maybe, you know, there's some restaurants more and more getting Bitcoin savvy. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe in a year this isn't such a big deal. But what about this? What about you use this? Then, you know, you also leave them a couple of dollars, a couple of good old greenbacks or whatever your local currency is. And then, you know, like maybe you, you throw them an extra dollar on the Bitcoin tip. Yeah, give them like a bare minimum in cash that they can use. They're not going to be pissed about, you know, and they're not going to associate that negativity with, you know, like a, you know, like a buck here in Bitcoins. Right. I mean, and then if they don't want to use it, then you know what? They don't get the money, uh, but you, you know, but they still get a tip. And if they do want to figure it out, then that Bitcoin you just, or that tip you gave them, if they hold on to it for a couple of years, it's going to be one hell of a tip. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) It's an investment in your future here, what I'm paying, you know, for this cheeseburger here. So there you go. real investment, you know. Think about your, your retirement. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe this tip might might pay for your retirement one day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. three. <laughs> or then again, maybe not. So Andre, like we said, uh, maybe mix it up and give them a little bit of both. 
All right. So you guys have been emailing in. So plan B at jupiterbroadcasting.com. That's where you can send in your feedback or you can start a thread in our subreddit planbshow.reddit.com or go to the contact link at the top of the Jupiter Broadcasting site and click that. That's how you can get one of your uh, bits of feedback into our show. Drew, uh, you've been great too. been reading through and responding to a lot of the emails too. So we've been whittling down to the to the, uh, to the picks that we kind of felt like fit the conversation we wanted to have. And so send those in. You can also text message the show. Just send it in to 1-352-587-5662. That's 352-58-PLAN-B. Here's the thing. We want you to call in and leave us a voicemail this week and tell us about your mining setup. We're getting a lot of requests to cover mining on the show. Um, Drew, you know you've been responding to the emails. Oh, yeah. We've been seeing a lot of that stuff. But we, we, get, a, we get a pretty good amount of feedback, so... Yeah, so we're thinking, to get back to you guys. we're thinking we'll hunker down and, and cover mining, and um, we want to hear what you have set up, because we'd love to play some of those clips in that episode. You know, just, so call in and briefly describe how many, what, if you have one GPU, if you have a thousand, if you work in a CIA super secret lab with a million GPUs and experimental ASICs, or, well, or if you're, for some reason, we actually, we actually got a text message from a guy who is Litecoin mining on his jailbroken iPhone 5. That actually happened. So you maybe you're that guy. Call us and leave us a voicemail, one three fifty two fifty eight plan b and let us know your setup so we can uh, we can uh, geek out when we're talking about uh, mining next week. Um, all right. And, you know, I'll have a little update on my mining setup, too. I've been I've got three rigs that are going now, and uh, I'm experimenting with um, a couple of things. So we'll talk about that. But, uh, Drew, what do you say we get into some of the news that broke this week? Yeah, we got some good stuff to talk about. Bring it on. I know, man. Like I was saying, the price has been pretty steady despite some of this stuff. Let's start with my favorite story of the week because I, I really think, you know, it's one of these things that I think they're putting out a trial balloon and seeing how, how the reaction is, but I would love to see this happen. There was uh, a little interview going down with the uh, CEO, I believe it was, of PayPal, and he said, you know what? Well, we're kind of thinking about adding Bitcoin as a funding option, and because I'm the, the uh, fantastic host that I am, I went out and I got us the clip. Just my left field question. Sure. Bitcoin, uh-huh. virtual currencies, what yes. do you make of that? So I've been spending a lot of time looking at it. I'm and sure. it's yeah. truly fascinating, actually, the, the way that the currency has been designed and the way that uh, you know, inflation is built in to pay for miners and yeah. all of that is truly fascinating. Um, and I think you know, for us at PayPal, it's just a question of uh, whether Bitcoin will make its way to PayPal as a funding instrument or not. And, uh, and you know, we're kind of, uh, of thinking about it. Right? I, I guess, like, yeah, like the rest of us, we're all kind of of watching it sort of with, with, with a great deal of interest, but kind of a lot of people have been taken aback by, by the sort of the velocity of the moves. Um, when you look at your business, what is the next, next move that you're going to make? You've, you... So he said, you know, obviously he's being pretty dodgy, kind of thinking about it, not like he's committing here right, or yeah. anything. <laughs> what do you think would happen, Drew, if uh, PayPal said, you know, you could fund your PayPal account with Bitcoins. Is that a good thing for Bitcoin? I would think so. I mean, they, PayPal has like a huge, you know, like a they're like the the, the premier. I hate I hate calling it something like an e, like an internet kind of thing, <laughs> like a Laban. Right. But, um, but they any, any kind of e stuff. Like they got they got one foot in the door already at that point. So if they make it easy for people to fund their accounts with Bitcoin, I, I, they're 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 of all the companies that are in position to really take advantage of it and maybe kind of you know expand its use. It, I think it'd be PayPal. Yeah, and, you know, I think the reason maybe they'd want to do this is I guess there's a lot of countries that their banking systems just say, no, we're not going to work with PayPal. And so you, if you're in those countries, you can't, you can't have a PayPal account because you can't fund it. I wonder so, if you'd be able to go two ways with, with Bitcoin, though, you know, like fund it with it and then use oh, it as wow. a means like an arbiter, you know. For, I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. I bet they're well, only- I think they have, they have more legal issues when they go to convert Bitcoins to regular currencies. You know, if they were to function as just like, you know, some kind of escrow maybe they could develop as you know to, to provide that kind of service too hmm. Hmm. that's interesting man wouldn't that be a wild if they actually went that far i don't think they're smart enough i really don't oh well yeah oh well they you know i think they're, they're probably eBay, too entrenched so. <laughs> yeah they're too entrenched yeah and you know that's, that's a good point yeah and you don't actually, expect too much speaking of smart stuff uh chris dixon uh chris dixon is the co-founder and ceo of hutch and uh and uh or hunch and he's a co-founder of uh, founder collective in the past he served as ceo and co-founder of side advisor uh, he invested in technology companies including Skype, Foursquare, Kickstarter. In 2010, Business Week named him uh, the top angel investor in the technology industry. And he was at TechCrunch Disrupt this last week. And he says, 
He says the smartest people in Silicon Valley are working on Bitcoin products. He is excited. It's a little bit of a long clip, but I want to, you got to listen to this because it's what it tells you is the infrastructure is coming. The infrastructure is coming. So uh, you're, you're venture capitalists now. There are other people at Andreessen Horowitz who are handling infrastructure. You're more focused on consumery type things. Um, one of the Andrew and Horowitz, by the way, is the huge investment capital firm that he works for now. Areas you've been talking about lately is Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you're pretty strong, you know, pr expressed a lot of interest in that. And then it feels like sort of like we are hitting the trough of the hype cycle for that at this point. If you right? read the, if you follow the Bitcoin community, like people always talk about like the great crash of 2011. And, you know, so this is like nothing. This is just like another blip in it. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. But, <laughs> but uh, I think the thing that's most misunderstood about Bitcoin, and I'll just sort of broadly like this math-based currencies, is everyone focuses on it as, you know, this, what economists would call a store of value, like as a currency, as a place to like, you know, if I'm living in Cyprus and, you know, I want to make sure my money is safe, or if I'm sort of one of these sort of libertarian types who doesn't believe in the Federal Reserve, I can like, you know, Are you? I'm not, no, I'm, not, I'm pretty normal politically, or middle of the road politically, but, uh, um, which I think is important, because I think you well, can, you how, can, how much money have you invested in Bitcoin up to this point? I, I, a fair amount, I mean, I'm, I'm, hey I believe in it, so. Millions? No, no. Um, I've, I've heard some venture capitalists, I'm sure, people, I'm sure people have, I know people uh, in, in, in California who have, um, but uh, one thing I would say is that I think people focus on as, as a currency, there's another aspect of it, which is, um, as a sort of a payment mechanism, right? So if you think, yeah, basically, like, if I want to pay somebody, let's say I hire a programmer in, you know, Russia today or something, and I want to pay them $5,000, you have to, um, you, you, one is, the, the biggest issue is they don't know whether they got paid, in, you know, like, you have to either go through ACH, or if you use a credit card, they have to verify who you are. Um, so basically, the, pro the, pro the whole problem of fraud online, um, which is a massive, massive problem, um, it's also the payment fees, the fact that there's like all these barriers to do cross-country payments. But in particular, it's the idea that, that the interesting thing with these math-based currencies is you can pay somebody um, without them trusting you at all. All they need to do is when they get the, receive the Bitcoin, they can verify they got a Bitcoin. They don't care who sent it to them. And if you think about I think this is why people are so excited about it, is that it feels like we, the Internet is an anonymous network with, with a payment system on top of it, the credit card system that requires verifying identity, which is why you have so much, it's a, it's a mismatch there, which is why you have so much fraud and other kinds of friction that are added to the system. I think that's a really good insight. What he's saying there is the internet, <clears throat> you know, for the most part is, the, is, is anonymous or and can be. And the credit card system is inherently identity based. Right. Whereas these cryptocurrencies, it's all, as long as you trust the math, it doesn't matter. You know, that's the math is the identity. And you got to think about too. I mean, you know, the credit card companies charge like like two to four percent fees for like each transaction, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, it, it, for that's that's a great thing for Bitcoin. That, that should put pressure, you know, yes. downward pressure on oh, the yeah. fees charged by, by that's like what fees Bit, that's Mastercard. what BitPay is selling their platform on. Uh, mm -hmm. He goes on. I'll let him continue a little bit. And the exciting thing about these new kind of currency schemes is that um, it, you you have sort of a fully anonymous payment system grafted onto an anonymous network. You know, there was a, when the original HTTP spec, there was an error code 402, you know, 404 when you don't mm -hmm. have a page. 402 was error payment required. Like, originally there was going to be a payment system. Right. And so in a lot of ways, like, you know, these, these kinds of Bitcoin things are the, are the uh, you know, the payment system that, was, that they never got to. Mm -hmm. And so uh, are, you, are you planning to invest in any Bitcoin startups? I certainly, certainly a very interesting area. I think what's interesting is that you kind of had a, I think this is also what the sort of the critics are underestimating, is that you had a first wave of kind of Bitcoin startups and people interested in it. Um, and, you know, that, there's some interesting stuff there. But now I think what you're seeing, like if you just talk to the smartest people in Silicon Valley now, is that the, some of the best entrepreneurs are thinking about getting heavily into it. So I think you're going to see like another wave. What are, what are the kind of startups you would want to see? I mean, is it... Uh... Well, the obvious ones, there, there are a bunch of them out there. There's like merchant services, kind of PayPal model. There's exchanges, which are, you know, I just want to go trade Bitcoin. I want to, you know, convert from a dollar to whatever. Linden. People Linden have talked dollars. about, yeah, people have talked about sort of bank models where like if you actually want to store this stuff, it turns out it's fairly complicated and, mm -hmm. you know, you want something, you know, there's... But I think the other thing that's interesting is and this is, maybe I'll go on too long about Bitcoin because this is a topic I think is really interesting, but um, is that 
I think for a lot of people in tech, finance has been this um, very frustrating area because uh, it's such a massive market. Um, it's you know we see what happens on Wall Street and things. It's very it's very corrupt. Um, and uh, number three is it's so highly regulated that when you do try to go and create a, a financial tech startup, mm -hmm. you often run into regulatory issues. So just to give you an example, there was a whole wave of peer-to-peer -peer lending seven years ago or so with like Prosper and Zopa and these guys. And they basically got, I mean, they're, they're still around, but they're in completely different form than they originally intended to be. Um, they're basically, they were supposed to be like, you know, I go on there and I sort of like the eBay of lending, like you can say I want a loan and I can say I give you a loan. Instead, it turned out to just be basically uh, the supply side now is all hedge funds because it turned out the regulatory issues were, were just too much for like it, these companies to actually let individuals make loans. And maybe that was a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know if that was a, you know, a good idea or a bad mm -hmm. idea, but the point is these things always get shut down by regulatory issues or by the fact that the hedge funds and the banks have a much lower cost of capital because they, you know, and they get bailed out by the government and all sorts of other things. And so I think a lot of reasons that people in California are so excited about Bitcoin is it's sort of a release valve for all of this pent-up frustration. Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> wow, is that guy just totally dialed in or what? Yeah, he, he tore it up. Yeah, he, he definitely tore it up. He get, he totally gets it. And what's awesome is uh, Bitcoin was kind of a topic at uh, TechCrunch Disrupt. Another big VC says that Bitcoin is gold 2.0, and he says it's a huge, huge deal. Now, I, boy, I'm, I'm going to butcher this name, Drew. <laughs> I knew you would. I saw that, and I was like, I ain't reading that. <laughs> you don't want to give it a try? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Kamath Pilafaliataya. <laughs> Anyways, this guy is brilliant. I, I don't mean to make light of it. Uh, he's he's a former head of AOL Instant Messaging Division. He left when it got crappy. Uh, former Facebook executive. And he's also part owner of uh, the Golden State Warriors uh, NBA League. And uh, he went on to say that uh, he is he's he thinks Bitcoin is huge and it's the it's the it's the event. You know, Chris talked about it earlier, but Bitcoin and things like it is the equivalent of the red pill. OK. We are entering a completely world of uncharted water Have right you now. made any investments in Bitcoin? So, I mean, I personally, I own Bitcoin in my hedge fund. I own Bitcoin in my fund. I own Bitcoin in my private account. Uh, it is a huge deal. It's a huge, huge, huge deal. Because what you're talking about right now is for the next three to five years, an unbelievably better store value. It is gold 2.0, right? The value of gold that hedges the world economy about $9 trillion dollars right? 1,300 an ounce, of which only 100 to $150 is the actual production value. So all the rest of it is imputed. Where, Lena, you and I have decided that it's worth 1,300 an ounce. Well, guess what? I can do the same thing with Bitcoin, except now it's, I could do it outside the purview of every single government. It's being used everywhere where you would think it would be used. Russia, Iran, Iraq, Egypt, Venezuela, Argentina, everywhere where you have currency pressure, everywhere where you want to basically shield your assets. And then after that, it'll probably become a payment mechanism. So in all of these three industries, you're talking about trillions of dollars up for grabs. Up for grabs, right? And it's just about trying something right. and taking a few months to understand what the opportunity is and then hit the scene. And I think that the cool thing is it's easier to know how to code. It's actually useful in a way where you, know, you can probably hack something together yourself. You can find folks. And so this is the time where people should be trying really big, crazy things. Wow. Preach on, brother. I mean, this, these are big VCs sitting here saying, now is the time. Move, move, move. And you know what he said that was interesting? Is he said that people are going to use it to move money around and to bail out uh, you know, from, their, from a collapsing currency. And then once people are done doing that, then it's going to come a, a, a medium of transaction. Right, and that right. Makes sense that was interesting. Everybody's going to have a bunch of Bitcoins, right? Uh-huh. So yeah. Like if the U.S., like if you, if, you had, if you had forewarning that the U.S. dollar was going to collapse in 2014, uh, you know, June of 2014, somehow, I mean, mm -hmm. you would absolutely just start buying up as many Bitcoins as possible. And then at some point, you're going to sit around and go, what the hell do I do with all these Bitcoins? <laughs> I got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I love that. We have uh, links to uh, the articles that cover that as well as their quotes and uh, some more information in the show notes. By the way, show notes over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Look for Plan B, Episode 4. We have even more information in there. And uh, I, I just, wow, man, I just got charged up. And I'm, I'm amazed that even after all that really great stuff, the price didn't move much. And yeah, I, well, I think know. it's good. I think that's good. Yeah, we're, we're stable. I mean, I so. at least people didn't, you know, freak out when it, when it crashed. So I think 
I think we're good. That or it's because Silk Road's been down for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Now, how would you know that? So, you know, the other thing that Bitcoin is going to get used for more and more, and there's more and more people that are moving into this space right now. And the people that are doing it are some of the people that are going to amass some of the early wealth is uh, people that are creating these casinos. Oh, yeah. And that, that. That must be a, that must be a quite a nice little business. Yeah, in fact, uh, we got a little insight into that. We brought on uh, Paul, the uh, creator of Bit Vegas. Now, if you're not familiar with Bit Vegas, it's a Minecraft casino that operates on Bitcoins, and it also has a very friendly community. Um, so, if you like gambling and Bitcoin, then you log into this Minecraft server. You go you go to BitVegas.net. He's got all the information on there. Upon joining, you get five. Uh, play bitcoins to gamble with which is neat so you can just get in there and play right away um of course you can't exchange them for real bitcoins you can only play them in the game but there's also a faucet functionality in there and uh the player base is also seems to be quite friendly from the experiments i experience i've had have you uh have you had a pretty pleasant experience with the community drew yeah i mean no, nobody messes with anybody like people I, people actually i was uh, playing a little earlier today and people were taking turns over in the uh the minefield uh <laughs> being uh, civilized even <laughs> yeah people standing out people were actually forming lines I, I, there was a guy i was trying to play blackjack guy jumped in front of me so i couldn't see my hand but there's a cool thing if you click on a guy that's close to you it makes him disappear so people uh-huh. can't really screw with you if, you if you're unable to see you know your your hand oh it, it is an extremely clever system so we had a chance to chat with paul earlier today on the live stream here's a little bit of that joining us on the line is paul the creator and owner of bit vegas bitvegas.net a casino that lives inside a minecraft server paul welcome to the show welcome thanks for having me oh absolutely uh so uh drew and i are huge fans of your work in fact drew you've been like marathon playing on bit vegas for all week haven't you I may or may not spend six hours a day logged in there. Last three or four days. <laughs> um, and so, for folks who are not who are not really familiar with Bit Vegas, uh, you should really go over to BitVegas.net and check it out. It's kind of it's kind of astonishing, Paul, what you've what you've built. And am I right in that this is sort of a one man operation? Uh, yep, I'm the only one that runs it. I'm basically looking at getting some staff on soon as the server gets bigger. But uh, besides that, I'm the sole developer. Invented all the games, the casino, and everything. And uh, so this is so simple. You log into Minecraft and uh, you you plug in your your server information, and before you know it, I download a custom texture pack from your server, and I'm walking around inside a a a, a, a fantastically built, wonderfully designed casino. I, I mean, the attention to detail that you've put into this. You even have a lounge, and uh, you know a relaxing area that really serves probably no functional purpose other than just took you a lot of time to make it and just gives a nice ambiance for the community. Uh, how long did it take you to build this? Um, well, I can't take full credit for the lounge. That was actually built by the players. Um, there is times I get the players in and I just give them an area and I basically say, yeah, but turn it into something cool. No, really? Uh, so they're able to build even... So I, I, Paul, I assume that wasn't possible just because of security reasons or something. Uh, no, basically uh, building in Minecraft is just placing and removing blocks. So I can actually set an area, um, and when a player walks into it, they'll get build rights. Um, and yeah, but the rest of the casino was built by me. I had, I had the whole thing running up in about two to three weeks when I started, but now this was about three months ago. Well, that, okay. So this hasn't actually been, I, for some reason thought this had been around a little longer and you know, uh, both the thing that both Drew and I were wondering is. How the hell does this work? How can you do all of this in Minecraft? Yeah, really. Um, well, Minecraft is heavily moddable. I don't know if you guys have played other servers before, but mm-hmm. you can basically change anything you like on the server side. Uh, it's all done with events. So basically, I have the standard Minecraft survival game that I then disable You know, player combat because we don't want players fighting. Sure. Then I just hook into events. So when a player left clicks, I can make the server do what I want such as place a bet, and it's all done on the server side, and it basically just returns a chat message to the player. Um, so I can basically change it to anything I want, and then by changing the textures, I can change the, the client-side look of the game um, into a casino. Well, and you must you must have some sort of uh, sophisticated back-end tracking software, right? For Because yep. one of the things you do that's really cool is you provide... Um, uh, probable stats so like if i'm going to get in the pig race i can click on the pig and i can get reports on how it's performed essentially is that am i getting that right yeah that's that's pretty good um i actually plan on adding a lot more to the pig racing but basically uh, the provably fair system is to just prove that the casino isn't cheating and changing the 
the numbers. You know, if someone bets uh, a whole Bitcoin on black, I'm proving that I'm not just changing the result to red on roulette. Right. That's the point of the system. Well, I, 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 I commend you. And I, I, I wonder, though, is there, a, is there any kind of special security challenge when you're building inside a world where the players can change the environment at all? Is that a problem at all? Um, one hasn't come up yet. Like I said, they can't change anything in the world unless I allow them to. And even if they could, the the casino is, think of it as a web browser for a, for an online website casino. So really, they can only change their own browser. They can't actually change anything on the server. When they, the whole running around and clicking on blocks and that kind of thing is all just on the client side, where is, if my server has good security, then they're not going to get through it. Just okay. like a website casino. Sure, sure. Do you have it like, um, do, you, do you just turn it on to allow people to make edits to the actual room itself? Or is it always available to, to like move stuff around or make stuff? No, it has to be turned on and I set the area. Like I say, you know, from X or Y position this to this, they can edit the blocks. And then I can turn it off at any time. So I make sure I'm online when I have people editing. All right. Hmm. Do, do you plan on making any like more of the, uh, that, that digging game? I forgot what it's called, but... There's uh, only two field? rooms for it, and, and one of them gets pretty busy sometimes. Yeah, well, um, it, just in the last uh, few weeks, I've started to get really, really popular. <laughs> um, so I do a, uh, have a whole um, new casino design actually in the way, in the works. Wow. Um, which, like I said, I've only got two minefields at the moment. I think the new one has about 20 of them, and I'll be relate, raising the player cap to about 200. Yeah, I was wondering about that as well. You only got 48 as the cap right now, right? Yeah, uh, only 40 at the moment. And that's just to make sure, like I said, I'm the only developer. I'm the only staff. Um, right, I don't right. think I could handle 200 players right now. <laughs> I mean, just already right now, I wake up with about 20 support tickets for all different things. and I would imagine. I, uh, we have a Minecraft server for our uh, podcast community, and it, it can be challenging to keep up sometimes. Of course, they always want to add stuff to it all the time. But, uh, you know, that kind of brings up a question that Drew and I had. And how, do you, how do you securely store coins in an environment like this? Uh, well, I do. Most of my casino uses the blockchain API. Um, when someone goes to deposit coins, they basically get their own receiving address. Um, that's secured online with a, if you know how blockchain works, just a normal password, secondary password. So I'm basically relying on their system. Um, then I, with those coins, I send them to a different wallet. And I, I would call this my hot wallet. This is the most exposed and most easy to hack because my blockchain password and all that kind of stuff is stored in my server. So if someone did manage to get into my server, they probably could get my wallet password. But I do keep that fairly low on funds and keep the rest in a cold wallet, which I just top it up as I need to go. Right. So a successful hacker tip would probably, someone would get away with maybe 20 to 30 Bitcoins, but that's, just, that's nothing in the scheme of what the casino has. Um, could you want to comment at all on that? Are you making a profit or a living from this? Uh... I could be. I imagine it's going pretty well because I'm not doing too good lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drew I might be keeping you going. <laughs> yeah, it does pretty well. It it has its winning days and its losing days, I guess, from a casino point of view. Obviously, sometimes someone does win big, so I have to pay it out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what's like the craziest thing that you've seen though? Like, do you get any kind of reports where you can see like where somebody like you know, but but like a an entire real life Bitcoin on a, on a pig that was got like a one percent chance of uh, winning? Anything like crazy I've seen that like happen. That? I haven't seen someone win that yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the I do with play payout, money. I think there's a big a pig called Betty the Fat, and sometimes she has about a 200 times payout. So I'm yet to see that win. I think I've seen someone win it on 0 0.001 of a Bitcoin. Now, something you do that's kind of interesting is you. I don't know. You. I don't know if you call it a faucet functionality, but you have a referral system functionality that sort of incentivizes players to spread the word about Bit Vegas, right? Yep. How does that work? Um, well, basically, when you first join the server, you get there's a, a gift box, basically. Um, and for every 15 minutes that you're online, you can open the box and you get half a milli Bitcoin, which doesn't sound like too much, but um, compared to most faucets, it's actually quite a lot. I think I have the best faucets still that exists online. Um, once you run out of the 30 free gifts, you can do referrals. So anyone who clicks your link and then joins the game gives you another 10 gifts, I believe. And it also gives you five... Uh, Milli bitcoins instantly as well. And I think I like what you're doing about this. Is um, so I, I would imagine there's a few components at play here. You have players who can who can actually work with you to extend and rebuild and, and improve the casino when they're trusted and allowed to. You have this faucet functionality that sort of helps nursemaid new players into the game. And then something else that's kind of 
really what was the number one thing that made it playable for me is you also do something called like play money. You know, like a lot of casinos do this, but you do it very cleverly inside the Minecraft context. And I wonder, do the majority of your players remain on the play money or do you see people graduate up to actual Bitcoins pretty quick? Um, I find because I give away free real Bitcoins, most mm. people just <laughs> their real money mode. Um, but it takes you half an hour of free gifts just to be able to place the minimum bet. So a lot of people do stick around for half an hour, get the real Bitcoin and then gamble it. Um, but besides that, play money. I, I would say I think it's around 25% of my players actually deposit real Bitcoins, which is fairly high. Yeah, okay. And the deposits yeah. work really quick as well. I mean, I, th I think I deposited... I got a little hooked, and I started sending money into it. But uh, it only took like less than a minute for it to show up in my uh, Minecraft thing. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we um we accept deposits with uh, zero confirmations, um, and then to protect ourselves from double spending, uh, it needs to get six confirmations before you can actually withdraw it. Oh, that's pretty cool. That that's clever, actually. Now, Drew, do you have any other questions before I get into like the uh, the uh, the scary question? Um, uh, man, I just scared, but I forgot. Well, you know, um, if you go to withdraw coins, like. Does it give you like a static link to the website where you can do something? Like, how do yeah. you how do you withdraw coins to your own wallet? So you just uh, type in the game. You type slash withdraw, and then the amount of coins you want. Uh, mm -hmm. It will then give you a link, which is it's set up through the game onto the web server. And then once you go there, it will confirm the amount you're withdrawing, and it basically gives you just like a form field where you can paste in any address you like. How do you authenticate to it though? Is it like is it like a like a, like a short lived time token for it? For that, that um, link to stay active, yeah. or? That, that's okay. basically right. It just it has, it, it generates say a random code that's I think sixteen characters long, um, as well as another code which is just the ID of the transaction, and then it gives you a link which includes both of them. So unless someone can brute force that random sixteen character string, but between the time if you typing the command and putting in your address, then it's pretty safe. Okay, that sounds good. Now, do you? Uh, this is this is the scary question because this is what I worry about, and and I don't I don't mean to imply there's any reason to be concerned, but do you worry about um, U.S. legal action or uh, you know noise being made about online gambling and things like that? Yeah, well, um, I'm actually not based in the U.S. Mm. Um, I think uh, Bitcoin's in the U.S. Is, is the only place that there's actually been a report released on the legal status of them. Right, right. Uh, so outside the U.S., uh, there's not really much laws. And I did actually go to see a gambling lawyer about this. Hmm. And basically, I was advised that as long as uh, for now, I don't actually withdraw the Bitcoins into fiat money um, or put fiat money into Bitcoins, which I haven't done, which means that I'm only using it as a virtual currency and I'm not actually technically profiting off the casino. Right, but then that means you never get to profit off the casino. Yeah, well... This, Unless you could buy everything more, you need in Bitcoin. <laughs> that's right. This is more of a precaution for when a law does come out in other countries. I mean, I could probably withdraw it for cash or something now. Um, but once there's a law release and if there's a law that strictly says something to do with me not being able to run the casino, then I may have to shut it down or offshore it or something. But I'll look into that when it happens. Yeah. I figure I haven't seen a single uh, gaming server shut down yet based on uh, that right. it's Bitcoin run. Right. And, you know, actually... Being off the web in some senses actually gives you another layer of of uh, of you know just being out of sight a little bit. So maybe you're not so first on somebody's radar. Um, exactly. There's I, a lot bigger casinos than me that I think are going to go down first. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose as uh, as more as more as more companies come along that offer services and products via Bitcoin payment, you know, you're going to be all right, right? Because then you can just you could just never have to convert out of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, basically, that's. I mean, that's my plan with Bitcoin. I'm a pretty big enthusiast, so I do plan on spending all my bitcoins on Bitcoin services. Now, uh, any, uh, any, uh, you mentioned a uh, maybe a potential like refresh to the casino. Any other kind of big plans you're working on? Uh, yeah, so I am, like I said, redesigning the whole casino from scratch. Um, it's not going to be this flat three-room casino anymore. It's actually going to be more multi-level. So there's going to be elevators and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's going to be a high rollers area, which is if you have a green name in the casino, which means you have more than one Bitcoin in your account, uh, you're allowed to enter the high rollers room. There is actually another tier with gold name if you have over 25 Bitcoins, but I don't mm. have a plan for mm. room for those I, yet. I, I suppose maybe you might spoil this since you're going to redesign. My wife wanted me to ask you this. There is a room, a bonus room you go into, and it's like the, uh, you know, you, it's the, you jump on the, uh, on the different blocks and you get up to a secret room. 
You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yep. Yep. She wants to know what's at the top. She tried for like an hour to get up to the top. Oh, uh, everyone gets so disappointed. There's basically um, a cake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She'll like that. She'll like that. Very nice. So. Somebody told her, somebody, one of the players on the server told her that you turn into a ninja. So then she Oh, was... <laughs> yeah. That does happen. I've heard players say that. So there you I go. That's true, but who knows? All right. Well, we've got to ask this question. Drew and I, we were scratching our head and said, what are we going to get in trouble for with the audience if we don't ask Paul about this? And here it is. Do you have any plans to introduce Litecoin support in the future or any other uh, cryptocurrencies? Well, I actually had no plan on doing this until about a week ago when I actually started learning what Litecoins are. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always just been pro-Bitcoin, anti-anything else. Um, so I thought <laughs> I'd actually open up my mind a bit more and I actually went and learned about them. So um, I think I will. Uh, I hope this doesn't get taken. Everyone's going to ask me every 10 minutes now when it's getting added. But... In theory, I, you might you might be considering it. Yeah, I'm considering adding Litecoins, um, as maybe some other ones too. And it seems like a great time. I mean, uh, the uh, as the ASICs come online, I think you're going to have a bunch of GPU miners that are going to switch over to mining Litecoins. So there's going to be a big surge in in the actual amount of coins, and then at the same time, or, or roughly around that time, Mount Gox is going to start issuing uh, trades for Litecoins. So there's going to be a lot of volume there. So you could end up with a, a, a people that have a, a you know, a big stash of a virtual currency that's kind of perfect for this kind of thing. Yeah, and as far as I know, there's um there's not really anywhere to spend Litecoins right now. So, being oh, one of the first. Oh, that's another advantage, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> All right, Drew. Anything else we wanted to touch on before we let Paul go? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Paul, was there any other uh, anything you wanted to mention before we hang up on you? Um, no, I got nothing else to say. All right, man. Well, keep up the fantastic work. And uh, would you be willing to come on the show uh, maybe down the road and uh, give us an update on how things are going? Yeah, sure. All right. Keep up the great work. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again to Paul for coming on the show. If we talk to him again soon, go check out the BitBragus. And I'll have a link in the show notes. If you use that link, uh, my wife gets the affiliate. I put my wife's user account in there because I'm trying to get her to play more with Bitcoins and she loves Minecraft. So I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to win the wife over. So if you want to check out BitVegas.net, just use that link. We have a BitVegas link in the show notes and my wife will get uh, some of the millibits. What do you, is that millibits? Can we call them that? I don't think that's the semi-official term. No, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> micro BTC, because they're trying they're trying to mirror like uh, the metric systems naming scheme. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about Litecoin. We're now in the Litecoin section of the show, and this is either one that generates a lot of uh, anger, which Drew you've you've been you've been def- you've been dealing with, and I well, only I one guy had a little little exchange with the guy. He actually he he wanted to debate it a little bit, I think. But what uh, was his like, main? I, do you remember the crux of his main? Uh, just that does it just does it feel like it takes away from Bitcoin. It, it, it takes away from it, but it also doesn't introduce anything. I mean, he's really right about that. It doesn't really introduce anything that that Bitcoin is incapable of doing. Right, right, right. I mean, right. Think about it. Like, what, what what does Litecoin have that Bitcoin implicitly does not? And I don't think there's anything there. Yeah, I think that's a little. So that's kind of like uh, that's kind of like looking at it in the reverse. I think that's the good thing about it because it allows Litecoin to act as a testing ground for certain things that would go into Bitcoin, and it allows for application compatibility. It allows for a lot of. I mean, it just streamlines so much stuff. The fact yeah, that they're so yeah, similar in some ways. Um, but we'll see. You know, maybe we'll play it out. It's something we'll continue to kind of kick around, I think. But, uh, you know, this last week, um, I don't know if it was just after the show came out or what, Mt. Gox put out an official press release talking about some of the denial of service issues they've had recently. And they said that in the in this press release, they said that they're actually planning to add Litecoin support two weeks ago. But uh, the events with the DDoS and all that had derailed that plan. So right now they're focused on overall stability at Mt. Gox, but then they'll be adding Litecoin uh, shortly after they get things kind of settled down. This, do you think? Do you think the price is going to go crazy when they do that? Like in a positive way, like upward? What do you oh, think is going to happen when when they? Because that's that's an interesting question. I think a lot of people might have that are holding Litecoins. Is what happens when Mt. Gox starts trading them? You know, it could start to go up. The problem with Litecoin, and we kind of touched on it with the interview with Paul, is uh, not a lot to do with it right now, other than buy Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know of anything to do with it. I mean, it really. It seems um, like I was I telling one guy. A, it's like a, there's a there's a um, uh, a Silk Road like. Uh, oh, true. Yeah, it's like Atlantis or Atlantis, something. Atlantis, but I don't know how. I've never never seen it. And I don't know if I, I I don't know how strong it is, but um, you know, so there's some stuff that's coming up. I think part of the problem is so the nice thing about Mt. Gox is you can convert them. You're going to be able to convert them, and I mean, you could do this on BTCE or anything, but you're going to have more people that are going to be able to convert them into dollars or whatever. It's a lot easier for people to get money in and out into Litecoins than relative to like BTCE or anything like mm-hmm. that. Because most people, most people that are involved with um, 
that will be getting involved with Litecoins are probably already involved with Bitcoins. If they are and already involved with Bitcoins, then they likely have a Mt. Gox account. Well, and the other thing to remember, too, is uh, that there's a ton. Remember we covered last week the CEO of Mt. Gox said 20 million in, 1 million out right, every yeah. day. Yeah. And so there's a lot of money sitting in Gox that uh, maybe people looking at the price of Bitcoin saying, ah, it's getting a little rich for my blood, but I'll I'll drop $100 on Litecoin when it's five bucks a coin or whatever it's going to be when it hit Gox. Yeah, and I think I think Litecoin is going to be for for at least a little while until it gets some good infrastructure around it. Just primarily a speculation device, I, I would guess. You know, do you feel like the price of Litecoin is somehow a proxy health indicator for Bitcoin? Um, I think I think it could definitely evolve like that. I don't know if it, it exists in that form now, but okay, I mean, it's kind of there, I guess. It's, it seems like Litecoin only goes up when Bitcoin's going up, right? Uh, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, doesn't it kind of seem like that. It, it does have some degree of parity. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been people have been crashing it because it's pretty easy to crash it with the the, the depth, you know, of the Litecoin trading yeah, market. Yeah, but, yeah. Because it, it dropped down pretty pretty bad, you know, pretty recently. It came back up while the Bitcoin price was pretty stable. So I, I think it will have more parity in the future. But it's kind of it mostly follows it, but it's still got some craziness to it. I thought it was interesting that just the fact that Mt. Gox would be offering Litecoin was newsworthy for computer world to cover. I mean, I mean, you know, for them to cover something about Bitcoin these days, that's not too odd. But for them to actually cover a story about Litecoin, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, that's an interesting. There's got to be a lot of interest. I mean, because all these miners, like, what are they doing? <laughs> There's got to be a lot of dudes out there with a lot of GPUs that are looking to do something. Well, and I look at it, you know, in the context of BitVegas, and I think I, I would much rather yep, yep, be losing yep. Litecoins to gambling than actual Bitcoins. It seems, yep, you know, yep. that seems like. Right now, at this stage, if Bitcoin is successful, um, you know, you could be playing with something. You know, we all know the pizza oh, story. Don't, don't remind me. Right? I mean, <laughs> we all know you could you could be playing with something that could be worth a lot more from now. Mm-hmm. As my main argument against Silk Road, too, is that 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 weed that cost you half a Bitcoin today, you know, that might be $5,000 weed 10 years <laughs> in the future. So it's something to think about. But, you know, at the same time, at the same time, you also wonder if uh, if. Um, Gosh, I I didn't play it. I didn't include it in the show. But there is this great clip of this little community now that has sprung up. I can't remember where it's at, but it's it's a little town, and they're kind of known for being left wing radicals, I guess. I again, sorry, it's not in the U.S. And uh, they're accepting bitcoins all over the town, and so that is, you know, that is cool. they don't even care. They don't even care that they're at a certain dollar because it, all they all they do is they just immediately figure out what the value is at the time of the transaction and they just trade that amount. And if it goes up or goes down, they don't even sweat it. They don't care at all. So you know, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, but something to consider. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so I hope to see. I hope to see. Uh, I hope to see something with Litecoin because hell, I'm mining a ton of them. Right <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> come on, baby, come on. All right. So uh, we got an email in from James, and uh, he pointed out that uh, Coinatron Lite. Uh, ltcmine.ru, uh, BTCE, givemeltce.com have all been experiencing massive uh, brute force login attempts over the last week. And uh, <clears throat> this, is from a, this is from a post uh, from one of their one of the operators. He says, uh, due to brute force attempts, uh, we need to force all users to change their passwords um, and uh, wallet address change options automatically. We're going to start appearing for folks. Here's the thing he wanted to pass along is, uh, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to remember everyone as you're trying out different pool sites, use a different password at each pool site or where anything like this. Use a freaking different password because if they get one and you're using that same password at another pool, then they can log into those other pools and change your payout address and take all your funds. And along those same lines, uh, James uh, passes along, you know, from time to time, go audit what your payout address is and make sure that the payout address is the right one, that you're not right. sending the coins somewhere you know, because if some, because uh, you know, I used DeepBit for a long time when I was mining Bitcoin, and it just I had it set to automatically pay out at a certain point, so that way I never had X amount right. of coins just sitting in my account there. And you know, because these things do get hacked. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I actually I just set up a a, a ten LTC thing for we mine LTC to to put it over to my BTCE account. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, the, you want to have it keep moving out. You want to keep too much there. You know? Right, but if I was a clever uh, hacker and I actually got into your account, I might just go change that payout address and not do anything else. Yeah. Well, the um, you should cool get thing is email notification. Today, uh, like, well, BTCE. I noticed today when I went to uh, 
um, exchange some Litecoins for Bitcoins to then put them into my Minecraft uh, little little uh, Bit Vegas thing. Is they sent when I went to withdraw um, the coins to a like a different address. Mm-hmm. It, it uh, they they didn't do it initially. They sent me an email that had a confirm or deny individual URL token. So I, I I could then authorize it through my email. I like that. That's a little bit you know multi-factor kind of thing. Yeah, I think some of the other guys are working on uh, a couple of the uh, like online wallet sites are working on integrating some of that functionality. Um, you know, anytime you have something that also offers two-factor, turn that on if you can. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of you out there, I know use blockchain um, dot info for your online wallet. Absolutely, blockchain dot info. We haven't really reported on it a lot, but. I always see reports of people's accounts getting compromised because they're not using good passwords. Turn on the two-factor if you can. Also, something else that I freaking love is LastPass. And so LastPass will generate these awesome passwords for you that you can feel comfortable about having you know, on your important accounts. And it'll generate unique passwords for each site. And it'll store them in an encrypted database that is encrypted locally before it's uploaded oh. to the LastPass servers. It integrates with Android, iOS, every browser extension out there. Um, it is really good stuff, and you can use this to manage all of your different Bitcoin account logins and then have unique passwords for each one. Is the number one thing you can do when using a Bitcoin-related service because all of these guys out there are under attack constantly as soon as they get popular, and they all have different levels of security. Yeah, and you always keep it unique. I'm glad you bought uh, LastPass up because uh, I'm a total evangelical with it. It's it's the greatest extension I've ever had for any browser. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. one of my number one used things. It's a beautiful thing. You get multi-factor authentication too. You can have a YubiKey. Yep. You know, all that stuff. Yeah, that's oh, that's a good great. point too. Like I I can't get into my vault unless uh, I have to have two-factor. You gotta have, you gotta have uh, the uh, pin too. Yeah, and, and like Chris said, it's encrypted prior to going to the server, so and they, really, they don't sit, you know, in in any special way, you know, that that can be hacked easily right. on the server side. Yeah, yeah, and they really they really work hard to keep it that way. They're um, they've always been hyper vigilant on security, and they work their butt off to get on every platform possible. Yeah, and, and they, they the the passwords that you generate are so, are kind of often um, a little too good for a lot of websites out there. So yeah, that has happened. Yeah, yeah, yep. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that is pretty funny. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap up on uh, this week's episode, just want to remind you guys, call us and leave us your voicemail describing your mining setup from one GPU to a thousand. Give us a call one three fifty two fifty eight plan B and tell us about it so we can play a clip. Try not to make it too long because uh, we want to be able to fit as many as we can. We're hoping we get quite a few. So we need as many of you to do it. So give us a ring. And don't forget also, when you're over on the show notes, go check out those fantastic show notes. We have a spot there where you can tip the show. We don't have any sponsors yet, but we might add them at some point. But if you just want to uh, thank the show, uh, there's a tip address there. And that supports the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. And depending on how much we get there, we'll see what we do with it. And also, don't forget, you can join us live Tuesdays, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT over at jblive.tv on Tuesday. And uh, hang out in our chat room. Andrew, is there anything else we want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, no, I am good. Holy smokes. All right. So uh, join us next week for our mining extravaganza as uh, Drew and I uh, kick around different ways you can uh, generate maybe some Litecoins or, or even Bitcoins. And then, you know, later on when I get one of my ASICs, if I ever get my butterfly ever, <laughs> ever, we'll have to do an updated version of our mining episode so we can uh, look at it from that angle. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like a multi-part. And then down the road, we'll also do some more... Uh, some more uh, Bitcoin more gambling, uh, gambling yeah. stuff. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Plan B. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>